I V M. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories, India's very own travel podcast, where each week we discuss the story of travelers in their own words and relive their experiences with you, our listeners. Hi guys, welcome to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories. Before we get on with today's episode, a big shout out to some of our listeners who have taken time out to write to us, Rajiv Warrior, Manoj Gaud, Lakshmi Dharmarajan. Thank you so much, guys. It's much appreciated. Also, a big shout out to the podcast app, CastBox, for making it easy for listeners to interact with us. As for this episode, we are really excited to be going back to the Himalayas with our guest Medhavi Gandhi, the founder of Heritage Lab, a unique digital platform for people to interact and connect with the museums. Let's jump into the conversation and find out more. Medhavi, thank you so much for being a part of the Musafir Stories and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Saif. It's, it's entirely my pleasure to be uh, on your podcast. This is my first time I have to give that disclaimer on a podcast show. So <laughs> thank you so much. I'm really excited about this and looking forward. Thank you so much. Uh, and um, Medhavi, the introduction I gave about you is uh, very, very concise and brief. So uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and um, also about your um, pet project that is lab, right? It's a very very unique concept and uh, uh, perhaps one of a kind in India also right so please talk a little bit more about that and um, tell us its beginnings so my parents uh, have been making me travel since I was three years old and uh, uh-huh. so I remember uh, going to museums since I was very little because when you go abroad, you go to museums. Uh, but mm-hmm. somehow I have had no memories and no recollections of going to museums in India. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that was just me. Uh, but I asked everyone around me and everyone seemed to be like, oh, yeah, once upon a time during school, museums <laughs> are boring. You know, so those are the typical responses you get. And in my past life, which was just 10 years ago, I um, founded <laughs> I founded the Happy Hands Foundation, which again had started on a whim and out of curiosity for Indian crafts and as to why young people like ourselves were not uh, interested or in, or knew even about the different kind of arts and crafts of the country. So, um, sure. yeah, and, and it's just that it happened that I was conducting this fellowship where uh, we were setting up a traveling museum for Hampi, and uh, mm. which is when the whole idea struck around making museums more engaging for children and connecting museums with history curriculums in schools. So, uh, yeah, and, and it's been a wonderful journey since uh, been a couple of years only now. But uh, okay. we've, we've run some wonderful international campaigns, uh, digital campaigns where museums have participated in, you know, you know, very interesting uh, or, or very engaging concepts like Ask a Curator, where anybody on Twitter can sort of reach out to a museum curator and ask them questions and Questions can be something like, show me something pink from your collection. Or what do you even do? How does one become a curator? So, <laughs> so you know, these things that you're otherwise shy 
why of asking so the heritage lab basically has become the bridge between and we've always said we are a bridge between citizens and museums but we are more visitor led rather than being more it's it's not a more museum to citizen approach but a more visitor to museum approach so yeah that's it's a little about uh, me and the work that i do Yeah that's marvelous and uh, I think I should say hats off to you because I completely agree even uh, going back to the days uh, I was in school or growing up right essentially we usually frown upon a little bit because we don't have that culture as much right visiting museums and finding out about things uh, whether the museums uh, and I think it's perhaps just related to uh, the way the whole school system and everything is set up that not enough uh, importance is given to such things there's no element of storytelling and stuff like that to make make things in the museum interesting for kids right um, so i think it's a great initiative and um, in kind of making this digital and also in certain ways cool right making it more interactive make, making them more accessible i think you guys are doing a great job and um, hopefully this will catch up before we dive into the uh, topic of discussion today uh, i just wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, talk a little bit about uh, about the personality we'll be speaking about today as well madhavi right absolutely so um, i'm going to talk about nicholas rorick rorick was actually a russian artist but he shouldn't just be known as an artist uh, he's he's uh, he's so many things put into one he's a poet uh, a traveler in his own right i mean yes he's known for his travels sure. and expeditions as a philosopher and so many other things but he's uh, one of india's nine treasure artists he's at some of the most prominent museums in the country as well uh, museums like the national mm-hmm. gallery of modern art and uh, the chandigarh museum of art which is also where i first discovered him like i said i wasn't mm. a museum visitor per se <laughs> and uh, so yeah we're <laughs> going to talk about nicholas rorick and his himalayan expedition uh, during which he created more than 500 paintings uh, we're also fond of the mountains and we all hear the mountains calling constantly so i just thought that this will be wonderful to share his journey of the mountains Absolutely and uh, thank you so much for actually proposing this topic or um, this expedition of Nicholas Rorick to be covered right uh, uh, because it's very unique in one way it's literally connecting travel the mountains and museums all of them together and uh, art of course uh, the beautiful paintings that uh, Nicholas Rorick made and basically what Nicholas Rorick did was on his expedition he painted out all these uh, beautiful sights and sceneries that he saw right i think that's so so unique and uh, this is we speaking about uh, close to 100 years ago right absolutely um, Absolutely, so. absolutely. He lived. I mean, he died in 1947, but before that, he has been traveling across India since 1923. I think that's when he first landed in Darjeeling, and since then, he he took a while to go around Central Asia. But uh, for the purpose of our conversation, I'll focus on his five to eight years on the Himalayan, like the Indian Himalayan expedition. So yeah, I mean, it was a while back, and he was so ahead of his times. I think. absolutely and and um, also just to set context up for this expedition right uh, uh, if you could just share the motive behind this expedition because uh, he set out on a very uh, different cause of uh, sort right it was not just about exploring the himalayas it was something more than that right so you know for uh, nicholas rorick he was taken i mean because he was interested in philosophy he was taken by the concept of shambhala uh, we've all heard of shangrila uh like right. like the chain of restaurants but it's actually <laughs> a take on the name shambhala and a shambhala is like the promised land in a way uh it it was for shambhala that the roriks traveled through the mountains 
to find this unknown kingdom and uh, you can't say that he was taken by an idea um, his wife helena rorick which is um, into spiritual study they had enough reason to believe that there lay a certain spiritual force in the himalayas and they just wanted to get to know that and discover that so it was this unusual thirst for knowledge that they had and that led them to undertake this tedious journey because uh, let's sort of uh, take into effect that they're traveling at a time where there are no modes of transport per se sure. so they they're traveling on horses and mules and you know whatever they can find locally and they're walking through these spaces uh, with their children that's his uh, motivation yeah absolutely so uh, just reference referencing upon that um, as you mentioned shambhala is that uh, mythical kingdom mm-hmm. right uh, that uh, the rorix uh, started out looking for yeah. and uh, i think it's believed um, in a lot of um, cultures right uh, prominently the tibetan culture uh, that there is this kingdom where uh, when we reach a point in time in the world when uh, evil will take over good uh, that point the king from this kingdom will defeat the evil and uh, then spread uh, help spread uh, harmony and peace in the world so i think that's the promised land like you said that's um, mentioned and uh, that's what the rorix was seeking to find out and um, yeah as uh, to draw some context uh, this was done back in 1923 as you said and it was uh, an expedition of over uh, i think 25000 kilometers yeah. spread over about 5 uh, to 8 years uh, they started off from india and it wasn't without challenges because um, i think we were at a time where um, India was still being ruled by the British, mm. and then uh, even uh, the hostilities between, say, uh, Britain and Russia, and everybody—they uh, were at their peak. Um, so uh, I think there were a lot of conspiracy theories as well mm. uh, going around while uh, Rorik, uh, the Roricks were uh, setting out on this journey that uh, uh, maybe this is an espionage mission and stuff like that. Uh, so all of that makes this journey even more interesting and intriguing. Absolutely, absolutely, because uh, he was also very closely associated with America. in uh, bodies at that point of time so there was this right. speculation that is he a russian spy is he an american spy <laughs> what is happening so uh, so yeah he faced all of that and but i think his motive was to create peace and peace through culture because that's what he's again known for the rorik uh, pact which was again an international understanding sure. that culture should be protected whether in times of war or peace and mm-hmm. yeah wonderful so i think we have uh, said this up really well now and um, it's time to uh, dive into his expedition and um, see what are the different uh, like places that he ventured to on this expedition and also touch upon uh, the beautiful paintings that he made on these expeditions mithavi why don't you just uh, roughly draw out like his route okay. of this expedition and then we'll touch upon some of the works that he did during this expedition too so actually his uh, expedition was all of central asia now it mm-hmm. stretches all the way from kashmir on to tibet and covers all of these regions and that the route is actually there in uh, his travelog altai himalayas but just for the mm-hmm. purpose of the indian route what we've taken in is how he starts from darjeeling and uh, mm-hmm. goes up till kashmir also goes into what today is pakistan's part of the himalayas so he comes on from darjeeling to sikkim and from sikkim mm-hmm. he goes towards um, the mountains towards the kailash range comes towards lahol and spiti area and mm-hmm. he crosses into ladakh and from ladakh 
he moves into Srinagar. I mean, he moves from Srinagar into you know the further territories of Kashmir. Finally, he comes to settle down in Kullu. Uh, he decides to make that his home, Nagar in Kullu, and this his home is still there in Nagar. So, if visitors are ever traveling, they should definitely stop by and go to his little abode. Definitely, yeah. and um, I think this is what uh, is a museum now, right? Ah, um, uh, yes, Dhabi? it's it's a museum. It's run by the Nagar Trust. Um, there is a trust that he, you know, they are, uh, they take care of the house. The paintings are there. His belongings are there. So yes, uh, it's a it's a small museum. It's not a museum in the sense of oh, it has ten galleries or something. It's not like that. It's a, it's a house museum mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, cool. And um, as as you mentioned, like he pretty much traversed through Sikkim, Kashmir, Ladakh, and um, th- those were the important places in India. But uh, outside of that, uh, even to other countries, right? Uh, like Tibet at that time, then um, even Mongolia and stuff like that. And I think he stopped over uh, uh, in the Soviets too uh, for some time through uh, going through Serbia. So it was a very very uh, long drawn expedition that he set out on. And I think this was uh, uh, with his wife and his son, along with a few other uh, companions as it is doing a journey on this mm-hmm. scale back in the day is um, an achievement in itself but what stood out even more was these brilliant paintings he made right uh, traveling in itself is a challenge on these uh, like a lot of these terrains yeah. but he managed to uh, like capture them literally on um, on the canvas right so that's what we want to touch upon mm-hmm. a little bit today um, why, why don't you call out some of these uh, important works we'll obviously uh, try and link to as many of his works as possible so people can actually go out and uh, check out his work. Medhavi, in your words, why don't you like draw out some of these paintings um, and uh, does it want the kind of work too? Because I am uh, not a big uh, connoisseur of art or anything, but still for a layman uh, also, these are uh, uh, really marvelous paintings that he's done. So why don't you just uh, touch upon those? Sure. So I I think uh, one, it is important to mention that throughout his life, he made more than 7,000 paintings and sketches. Mm. But the Himalayan paintings are one of his, uh, you know, most uh, popular works. And uh, what is beautiful about these is that, you know, there are there is a painting in which the mountain appears purple. The first time I saw it, I was wondering, mountain isn't purple. Has he imagined that color? Realized that it's the light that he would have waited for because a mountain would change colors, reflect off colors of the sun at different points of the day. So, you know, what is fascinating about any Rorik painting is to notice the presence of the sun in the painting. Like you'll Mm -hmm. see in any painting. So, for example, there's a painting um, called Remember, though it is part of the collection of the Rorik Museum in New York. A part of the painting is lit up. So suddenly you can't, I mean, you know that the sun is somewhere, but he's not drawn the sun. You can see the shadows, you can see it all, but you can't see the sun. Uh, There is, again, another painting in which he uh, sort of gives us a view from Tiger Hill of the Kanchenjunga. So you see Mm -hmm. the sun rise and reflect across on the mountain. And this is something, you know, photographers try to capture even today. It would have been so challenging for Rorik at that time to take in the colors and then reproduce them, you know. And uh, when I when I actually do this museum walk with my class for students, uh, it's more mm-hmm. about uh, the resources of the mountain 
and uh, it's interesting to bring out the fact that Rorik actually colored and used powdered mineral rocks that he would collect during his expedition he would collect these mineral rocks and then you know the powdered versions he would use to you know that would give his painting that you know not that glossy that matte finish uh, mm-hmm. you know instead mm-hmm. of it having an oil shine or anything it would give a matte effect you looking at his paintings you can actually think of the different kind of minerals and rocks and colors that you would found in the mountains itself and um, as he traveled it wasn't just the mountains per se he was looking at people but he was also looking at the landscape in terms of architecture so a lot of paintings have uh, you know ha- reflect the houses and styles of houses and um, that again even the monasteries so for example mm-hmm. he does have a painting of the tashiding monastery in sikkim it gives you a very different uh, you've never seen you know stupa like monastery kind of structures it's very interesting for younger people for laymen to understand oh okay that is mountain architecture it predominantly consists of stupas for example or houses of a certain type so yeah i think i think that was one thing that pulled personally that pulled me towards his paintings and the traditions mm-hmm. that he sort of showed in his paintings like festivals or monks dancing or legends In fact there is an entire series that he did which is again a popular series but it it was uh it was basically called Banners of the East um uh, Banners of the East basically is uh, the series basically showcases uh, all different spiritual or religious leaders so you have the prophet you have the mm-hmm. uh, the second buddha which is uh, padmasambhava you have uh mm-hmm. christ you have uh, different uh, religious leaders there's also krishna i think in one of the paintings uh so he he does you know bring about these kind of local customs etc from wherever he's traveling also and and yeah that that just forms his entire journey when you're seeing you realize that he had gone through all sorts of regions as you cross from darjeeling in that side where there's a predominant buddhist belief but in the middle also crosses the mount kailash and all which is again an abode for hinduism and again move towards leh ladakh where again the buddhist belief takes in so he is looking at different kind of religious and spiritual cultures also as he travels absolutely you are very right in calling out um, about the diversity of his paintings right uh, just because he's traversing the himalayas it doesn't mean that um, it's only of landscapes and mountains and stuff like that uh, like you said uh, a lot of the mon- monasteries um, the lamairu monastery right. as well right. right i think he is captured in one of his paintings that was also very beautiful uh, but along with that even about um, um, a painting which depicted the uh, is that the maitri buddha is that what it's called right um, it's the maitri buddha correct a sculpture right it's a sculpture that's inside a mountain it it's still there like when you're on your way to kargil right. uh, from shrinagar to leh on that route uh, right. a lot of people have spotted the maitreya buddha even today and, and i've seen it in a lot of these trip advisor photos and when i saw rorik's painting i was like oh my god this is the same one so i actually went king for exactly. that particular image so it's actually on an old trade route near a mm-hmm. particular monastery but yeah it's it's a old trade route that he's taken and again 
in that you see uh, there is there is uh, a devotee in that painting kneeling down and praying uh, well today i think on that road there is no space for a devotee to stop by and pray but that uh, <laughs> yes that's what paintings do to you you time travel basically <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah i think that's very well put and i think uh, uh, apart from that even um, a lot of these uh, buddhist sculptures uh, that were made on uh, boulders literally right on the rocks along the zanskar range those have been uh, very well captured in uh, some of his paintings then uh, um, i think one of them that stood out for me was this uh, a uh, beautiful painting of a uh, uh, waterfall uh, the sisu yeah the sisu waterfall right and buddhist monks uh, were um, uh, by the waterfall and praying uh, i think that's also a very unique kind of picture oh yes oh yes absolutely yeah. in fact that has a uh, a story also uh, that that there's mm. a story associated with that one so this waterfall is a little of um, the le manali highway and um, this is a region where you see a lot of uh, sankas and a lot of murals and statues of um, the guru padmasambhava who's the second buddha now mm-hmm. he would have traveled that side but as per legend uh, there was a monk at one of the monasteries in lahol uh, who gained mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge and became very proud and egoistic about that knowledge that he had gained now one day okay. um, he happens to insult a senior spiritual teacher who sort of okay. then expels him from the monastery now initially he wanders around the valley and one day just thinking of the insult and uh, you know not being able to bear the memory of it he jumps into the river now it's sa- it is said that his spirit started haunting and troubling all the local travelers and people who were passing by so everybody got together and invited the monks of lahol to perform this ceremony and free themselves of the spirit of the lama like like this person mm. and and um, you know th- that is when i when i saw this particular painting where the buddhist monks are returning from lahol and they stopped by and they're doing some kind of a ceremony uh, it just right. it's as if they have been they're actually trying to free someone soul or something it's almost like that uh you never know if that is but uh it definitely does give you a you know reminder to a certain legend like that yeah absolutely i think um, that's what is uh, great about uh, like some of these paintings also that um there is so much context and um, that's like a third dimension of these paintings absolutely. right uh, uh, but uh, any any painting that is your favorite or that really stands out for you madhavi yes for me I think the one that is uh, at the Allahabad Museum of um, of Goga Chauhan and Nar Singh the many uh, I mean they two of the many mountain deities that he came across and okay. uh, these are just outside his house so hmm. for me because I had uh, been to his house before I saw the painting so for me it was almost surreal to see it again it was like i have seen this i have actually seen the space outside his house where narsing and goga chauhan rest outside a tree though now there are a lot of other things that have added to that part but that particular painting has it, it's it's got that lovely purple yellow light and um, it's 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 just beautiful that particular painting and again there is a whole legend around goga chauhan and narsing and why the mountain deities um, i mean why they believe in the protection of them so I, i think there was i'm not i can't be too sure but what i remember someone telling me in nagar is that um, he found these while he was making his home 
and he was also told about the legend so he placed them right outside to take care and protect his space and i think that might just be true because long after he's gone they're right there looking <laughs> after him and his house and his legacy but like you said you know um uh, self i have to agree any painting can be seen through any perspective whether and it's just about what you love doing so if you love to travel for you uh, a painting can be travel goals hashtag travel goals or <laughs> um, you know for a science teacher it can be about these minerals and then how you get this for a painter or artist is our inspiration in fact we've actually uh, had someone tell us about how photographers can get inspired by museum paintings and learn from them so and then there are for little children or for anybody who enjoys legends and myths and stories you can take up any painting and then go on right from there give it a bit of a visual so yeah i think museums are wonderful places and definitely a starting point for anybody to start exploring a place whether it is a city or whether it is a region i think go to a museum and there's a whole lot of discovery you start doing there's a lot of context setting to any travel Absolutely. so yeah i mean the travel enthusiast should flock to the museums <laughs> <laughs> yeah i definitely concur with that and uh, they're often overlooked about uh, i think they're definitely definitely a treasure trove right of um, yeah. not just information about the past but uh, also so much more context around um, the things that were going on i encourage more and more people to definitely have museums on your list of uh, things to uh, check out when you go to a new city or a new town um, and um, just getting back quickly to rorix expedition so um <laughs> yeah this was uh, his time spent in india and uh, as we said over a period of 5 to 8 years he traveled across some of the other um central asian countries as well um and uh, one little tidbit i also came across was that um, he and his um, whole entourage was um, held up in tibet for about 5 uh, to 6 months literally uh, detained of sorts right uh, um so i don't know if you came across that but uh, that was something interesting i came across too that uh, uh, people thought that he is an outsider um, uh, and um, he's there uh, not not with good intentions like he has something else like a spy mission or uh, things like that going on so he was detained for a while and he literally survived those five months uh, also read that about four or five people from his tr- uh, troop uh, they lost their lives too because um the conditions that they lived in were so rigid and it was so cold uh, the kind of weather they had to live in so he went through all of that and finally made his um, journey back to india right. um, and uh, he finally settled down in uh, nagar uh, that's in um, kullu you said yes um, yes in Nag- yeah it's it's a it's between kullu and manali little off so Nag- mm-hmm. nagar falls under kullu district that's where he settled in and um, in fact there is also um, a place in bangalore i mean because in their old age they moved from nagar to bangalore mm. and uh, they stayed there but that didn't turn out too well because now their house in bangalore is um, a under a legal uh, you know sure. tussle and uh, it's not very cared for or looked after and a lot of their yep. paints and things seem to have disappeared from there but um, yeah So uh, you're also in one of the places which has so, brought its <laughs> memories. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, that's true. And uh, it, it's, I think, one of the long-drawn um, legal battles that also have been going on. So the context is that uh, I think it was his um, son, perhaps. Um, I can't remember if it was his son or grandson. I think it was his son. Um, he was married to Devika Rani, a popular actress of the yes, yesteryears. Yes. 
Right. Um, so they were married and um, it was called the Tataguni Estates as is um, where they had like a, a big estate with a lot of um, Rorik's collection, like his paintings and everything. And um, both Rorik's son and uh, Devika Rani, they passed away, I think, 93, 94, somewhere around that time. And after that, uh, there was a lot of uh, issues around the will and the legal battle has drawn on forever. And I think paintings worth lakhs. I think sure. that's what they estimated it at that time. But uh, they were all stolen and um, some of them were actually found out later that they were sold abroad also right yes yes which is illegal because Rorik is a treasure artist and uh, that's what because his son and his wife they had moved to uh, Bangalore they had also taken some of the most important I mean not all of the most important ones because the Nagar house still has some important paintings Uh, but you know it was a move and they decided this is precious so let's take this and move to Bangalore so some of the more precious things have been lost from there very unfortunate but it continues to uh, that uh, I think there's no closure to it even now Um, that's what I read last and uh, I think uh, the least we can hope is at least they finally recover these paintings and bring them back to where they belong right Uh, that's the best we can do but uh, uh, also tell us about uh, where one can find Rorik's paintings in India so in India I think uh, definitely at the Allahabad Museum the Rorik Trust Nagar Uh, You'll also Mm -hmm. find um, some paintings at the Baroda Museum and Picture Gallery. Then there's the Bharat Kala Bhavan in Varanasi. And then Mm -hmm. they have the biggest collection is at the National Gallery of Modern Art in Delhi. And -hmm. of course, those coming to Chandigarh, we do have a small collection here as well. But yes, the National Gallery of Modern Art has, has, I think, has the largest collection of all of these. And then there's a Chitrakala Parishad in Bangalore also. Um, But the collections keep rotating. So it's not always that you go into a museum and the painting happens to be there. Uh, So it's always advisable to sort of check what is on display and what is not more visiting. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll definitely uh, put out, uh, as I said at the beginning as well, that we'll put out links to where one can uh, find Rorik's paintings in India as well. Um, but uh, for that, uh, I would strongly, strongly urge and recommend our listeners to go check out the Heritage Lab, uh, which is... Medhavi's Medhavi's baby, if I can call it, <laughs> uh, where um, she she has kind of documented a lot of these uh, brilliant paintings that are uh, done by Rorik and um, also has brief write-ups about um, some context to those paintings as well and the legends associated with those paintings too. So you can go check those out, get inspired, and then uh, you can you can experience uh, them for real. That's uh, I think uh, the next best thing to going to the Himalayas. So uh, it's it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, very unique also for us because um, this is not your uh, regular uh, travel itinerary that we uh, usually talk of uh, on most of our episodes. Uh, This is very, very different and um, uh, the whole mystery around it, the uh, connection to Shambhala as well as the time that it was done in almost 100 years ago, the uh, length of this whole expedition uh, as well as the events that were associated to it all of that and in spite and despite of all of that he comes up with 500 magnificent mind-blowing paintings so that's what was uh, so brilliant and uh, literally out of the world for me and uh, thank you Medhavi for um, coming on board and uh, uh, sharing this experience so wonderfully but before we let you go why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, uh, what is up and coming for the Heritage Lab uh, what new projects are you looking at for this new year? 
thank you so much uh, for again having me on this and uh, you know trusting me enough to do this on your show uh, this has been absolutely lovely so what is up and coming is our one of our most cherished endeavors uh, which is art and feminism it's actually a campaign which sort of focuses on women in the arts and increasing content about them on wikipedia Uh, because that's where all information by default gets pulled from and you know when when there's not enough information women just uh, end up getting ignored and so in the last few years we've added a lot of women artists from india uh, but in the meantime just to keep in touch over everything that is happening at the heritage lab or to get a glimpse into museums every day because we call it hashtag museums every day uh, do visit us on uh, instagram it'll be great to connect if there is any a particular painting or any particular artist or any particular city that anybody wants to travel to there's always a nice painting in a story for it i feel yeah that is that is that is uh, what is happening in the world of um, the heritage lab right now apart from us wanting and wishing and hoping that we can come up with our own podcast series someday uh, <laughs> but uh, yes yes that is what is up and coming wonderful wonderful and uh, uh, yeah we will include all of these in the show notes section so um, listeners can go check out the social media handles of uh, the heritage lab as well and as far as the po- podcast is concerned you always have us at your service uh, we're very happy to help you out in any way possible to help launch the podcast that i'm very sure will be brilliant and thank you so much madhavi we look forward to the podcast and look forward to more brilliant initiatives and projects on um, the heritage lab thank you so much for being on the musafir stories Thank you so much it has been an absolute pleasure That was yet another great episode of The Bizarre Stories if you guys like the show please subscribe to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts Audio Boom Seven Pocket Casts, Castbox, Stitcher, or any other podcasting app available on iOS or Android. Please do leave us a review on iTunes. It goes a long way in the show's discoverability. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We go by the handle The Musafir Stories. Or, if it suits you, you could email us at themusafirstories at gmail dot com, or visit our website at. www.themusafirstories.com for more information all of these links will be made available in the show notes section of each episode so here's to more traveling sharing and inspiring stay tuned for our next episode until then happy travels and goodbye